Welcome to Girl, Water Your Grass. We talk about all the things to better yourself, your family, your career, your dreams, your goals, and your life, and how God's dreams over us are so much bigger than our own. We are just two girlfriends who grew up in the bluegrass state of Kentucky with five brothers each and have reunited to take our dreams to the next level. Now we're inviting you to get out of your own way, girlfriend, and come on this ride because on this journey of a lifetime, we never arrive. Welcome back ladies to Girl Water Your Grass. We are so excited to be here today and have a very special guest and friend with us. Um, she is pretty, smart, and funny. So yeah, she is. Leah Darrow, <laughs> we're so excited to have you here. Welcome, Leah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm very happy to be with you as well. So tell our listeners who may not know, you know, Leah is a very well-known Catholic speaker. She has done a world of things. She has her own um, business, her own podcast, her own app, um, so many things that you've done. She, I've heard you speak live. She's a phenomenal speaker and it's just made a ton of impacts in the world for the kingdom. And just tell our listeners a little bit about you and your background and what you do. Yeah. So geez, I think I've been a Catholic speaker. So, um, for a little bit more than 15 years, something in there. Wow. Amazing. Impact on lots of lives. Hot minute. So I have been speaking and really at the core of my message has been a message of mercy. So I oh. share, my, I share my witness. Um, that's usually the most requested talk, even still after, I guess, almost like over 17 years of, of sharing this story, it's still the most requested presentation I give. Um, so I was, I was born and raised in a really great faithful home. Um, very, very, very faithful parents. And we prayed together every night type of thing. It was just really wonderful. I was raised Catholic. Um, in high school, I came away from my faith. Uh, I, I, I wandered away mostly due to my own sin and thinking I wasn't worthy of the mercy of Christ and thought I kind of lost my chance, you know, since I messed up so bad. That's what I was thinking. That kind of led me on a journey of not seeking counsel from the Lord and looking to anyone else to help me figure out how to do this whole life thing. And uh, the problem is that is that if you shut the Lord out, other people will answer. And mm. so that's what happened. I mean, the world definitely gave me a lot of um, options and, and availability and, and answers. And so I listened to them and I followed their lead, the culture's lead, so to speak. And that led me on a, on a path very far from the Lord. Um, I got into fashion and modeling and um, was on America's Next Top Model and was on that TV show and then got off that show and lived in New York and was a professional model for a few years there before I had at that point, which I, of course I did not plan, but I had a very um, profound conversion experience in the middle of a fashion photo shoot. And so that is, that was the moment where Christ really began to speak loud in my heart that I could not deny. And I began in that moment, I just decided that I would, I don't, you know, 
I guess I just decided I would just give him a chance that what he was saying to me in that moment and like in my heart was true. And I just, I had very little, I lived with very little truth of like, you know, objective truth. I had my truth that I lived by, but objective truth, I did not follow because it was hard and it, it would, it would require me to change. And it was, it was heartbreaking at times. And so, but at that moment, I just knew that that was where I wanted to go. And so that's, you know, that's the story that I share with most people over the past, uh, you know, 17 years of doing this work. And, um, and, and today still, that's really the message that Christ has on my heart to continue to share with others. There are a variety of different ways now, but a message of mercy that Christ can take your life no matter what you've done. Um, and he can still turn it around. It doesn't matter. I mean, if you're still breathing, I mean, Christ is not done with you yet, my friends. So that was, that's just, that's been, that was kind of what happened. That's the path I've been on and that's where I'm at now. And I do a lot of different things, but ultimately the message throughout all of them is one of just, uh, you know, incomprehensible mercy of Christ that we can just really, you know, um, put a stake down in and stay Mm. there. Something you said there really stood out to me that I, I would love for you to just maybe pinpoint a little bit. You said, we hear a lot where people are all about like, well, live your truth and not to go down a whole huge rabbit hole, but there's been, there's a big trend trend of you do you and (laughs) our listeners know MK and I have (laughs) gagged on that. And, um, would you share just a little bit what your experience with that idea of like objective truth and, uh, my truth and, you know, we can have our reality of, of what's going on in life, obviously, and certain things, but there is objective truth. And would you share kind of how that has maybe changed for you as you've gone down this journey and as your life changed really for the better now, um, you know, and, and you've, you've impacted, I mean, I would venture to say probably millions of people at this point, honestly, through mm-hmm. everything you've done with speaking. And um, so could you share a little bit on that with our listeners? Yeah, of course, Maria. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I began to think about this at the time of my conversion. So this is back in my like big, or some people would call it a reversion going back to the Lord. Cause I was, with mm. the Lord. but, um, that was back in 2005 and it was around then in that year, I began to think and keep in mind at this point in stage in 2005, I'd just come well about a year prior that come off the show of America's next top Model. My picture is in Times Square. I'm on the side of taxi cabs. I'm on the side of the metro that's going you know, on the subways. Um, I'm working in the fashion world and the modeling world. It's it's high stakes. It's very 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 oppressive, um, and destroys just your uh, not just your common sense but your self respect for your for yourself really. Um, a lot of different things going on. It was very dark. The whole point I'm trying to paint is that it was a very dark time. The world makes it look like this is the best life and it's, you're having so much fun and the, the pictures look great, but what goes on behind the picture is very, very dark. Mm-hmm. And so I began to start to question things in that darkness. And I would, I, and I remember coming to this point when I was thinking about my truth and I remember thinking, and I, I think, I believe this to be a grace from God. Mm thinking, well, if it's my truth, then with, I'm admitting that there's an objective truth. If I believe that there's my truth. Oh, interesting. There has to be 
if I have a truth and she has a truth and he has a truth, where do all of those come from? So there has to be something objective that's not going to be reliant upon my thoughts or feelings that day or experiences because of someone else's truth. So what is the truth beyond my truth? And that, that pointed to objective truth that pointed to, there has to be objective truth. There has to be objective truth because if you take an extreme, extreme, um, thought, uh, or extreme truth of like, I don't think we should kill children. Mm-hmm. My truth is that I like what we should not kill children. And, but someone else, if I believe in this subjective truth, I have to honor the space that someone else says, I believe that we should kill children. Mm-hmm. And I, and I'm thinking, okay, so there's a tension. Is the tension because what, what is the tension that all led me to this idea of, of there has to be something. If, if, if it's, if I have a truth, it actually points to an objective truth that I'm either in alignment with, or I'm not. Mm. And if I'm not in alignment with the objective truth, then it becomes my truth. So my truth more than likely was just basically being, you know, um, not in alignment with objective truth. And I, I just, I, that's kind of like, my head was in that space in this time. And I was like, well, this can't be right. Like that can't be the way to live. Like, there <laughs> needs to be something better than this that we all could agree upon of, of right and wrong, moral and moral, like mm. the golden rule. Well, like what's that all about? What was the golden rule, just a teacher's truth that they taught in school? Or was it actually an objective truth that maybe we've decided to not believe anymore. All of that to say, that's just kind of how I kind of got to the point of, I'm going to put aside all that I think and I'm going to seek out the one who does all the thinking. (laughs) I sought out the creator, you know, and I was like, okay. And which you don't have to seek very hard. He's, he's always there, but that's kind of where, that was the path that I think the Lord took me on to to, to truth in my life. And what a grace, you know, I think in our culture today, we change, uh, God's, Oh, God wants me to be this. He wants me to be happy. We change God's plan to fit our lives instead of changing our lives towards that objective truth. Right. And it's like, gosh, look at the journey of your happiness and the fruit of your life versus seeking the creator in his way. And if we can encourage all of you to just seek God's way and God's plan for your life, it it is life-changing, right? And it's not what the culture tells you. Pretty much if the culture says to do something, run the opposite <laughs> direction and you'll be living right, right? It is just a crazy world we live in. Um, you really have, have have owned the hashtag babies and dreams and you've had your sixth baby now, all teeny, all of them just back to back to back. Um, <laughs> how have you seen that movement of babies and dreams after baby number six? six? How has your perspective changed on babies and dreams or has it? And how has that sort of evolved? How are you able to really have your babies and your dreams? Yeah. Okay. So, so yeah, so let's start at the beginning with this topic. I love it. (laughs) This is going to be so good. (laughs) So babies and dreams began and this whole thing began when I was pregnant with my fifth baby and I was in labor, I should say I was in labor. I was ending my pregnancy in labor with my fifth baby. And 
this was, I was uh, giving birth the day after the Golden Globes. At the Golden Globes in that year, whatever it was, 2020, I believe, um, Michelle Williams stood up and she thanked, I don't know whom, but she, she gave thanks for her abortion, which allowed her to receive this Golden Globe because of her ability to have the abortion is what helped her be able to be so successful in this particular role for this particular film and to do this work. And I heard that, you know, the night before and it stuck with me. It actually woke me up in the middle of the night. It wasn't even labor pains that did it, but it was Michelle Williams' words. And it, that following day I went into labor and I'm at the hospital. And right before contractions were getting intense, okay, obviously so, I just, I just felt in my heart. I was just going to be like, this is, this is wrong. This oh. message is wrong. And oh. I'm going to do something about it from my labor and delivery room. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just pulled out my phone and I just did an Instagram video. And I was like, listen, ladies, babies don't kill our dreams. Only abortion does that. Babies don't kill your dreams. In fact, regardless if you know it or not, they are the dream. Like, and they don't keep me from, from what God has me to do. Like this is a, it's a part of it that I'm going to have this baby and this baby's going to make me better. This baby's going to make the world better. It's going to, this baby's going to make you better and you don't even know it yet. That's right. And so I shared this message. That is where it started. Babies and, and I, I, I put it out there. Um, I have someone who helps me with my social media. So she saw it immediately. And she's like, Leah, this is, this is, this is wild. And so she ended up putting it together and um, she posted it. And I said, I said, could you just put, it was just so nonchalant. I was like, could you just put a hashtag of babies and dreams on there? And she goes, um, yeah. And she looked it up real quick. She goes, yeah, it's not used. It's, you know, whatever it was like my media marketing. Trademarked. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, okay, great. Just put babies and dreams underneath there so that if I have any other thoughts later on, I could just put it underneath that topic. <laughs> so nonchalant. It was so nonchalant. It was in the, I was in the middle of labor with my kids. Like, just do it. I got other things I'm doing right now. So that all happens. It's since then it's like taken off. It's taken off in a lot of different directions. Um, a lot of people have used it and really, really have, have embraced it. A lot of people have also not understood it and decided to attack it, which I think is just incredibly interesting among Christian culture. It's just mm -hmm. like, it's like complete division. Like, oh, this sounds great. Let me just see what the problem is and I'm going to destroy it. But the idea is that babies and dreams, and I know it, it's challenging because of this is the air that we breathe. We, we live in a culture that does not understand the value and even the virtue in a sense of motherhood, of being mother, of taking care of nurturing and the gift that we have as women who are called into marriage, who are called into having babies, um, that we can embrace this gift of babies and dreams. It's not you're choosing a baby or a dream. It's mm -hmm. also, it's this entire unity of the two. It's unity of the two. And I'm telling you something, I don't support like babies and dreams for people who just want to like schluff off their kids to somebody else so they can go and work some nine to five job or whatever. That's not what I'm saying. I don't think we sacrifice our family and our babies for our dreams, but we also know that our God is bigger than our linear thinking. 
most of the time here, my friends. Mm -hmm. And our Lord mm -hmm. wants us to be fully alive and fully in love with him. And so we see this, we see this all, all, we see women do this all the time, but the moment we want to talk about it and point it out and put a spotlight on it, then we see division. So that's not what we want to do. Babies and dreams is a hashtag. Babies and dreams is a movement in particular. Let me just remind, you know, remind you as well. It's a movement that is, it's a pro-life movement. It is a movement that is honors the life of the mother and the dreams of the mother and the life and the dreams of the baby. And that is babies and dreams, period. I love it. We live in this culture of like either or, and it can be both and. And like you said, God doesn't want us to crush the desires on our hearts so that we can slave away. But we, you are so much more fully alive when you are living God's call mm -hmm. for your life, which mm -hmm. is babies and dreams. And it is, it's, I mean, our, my kids fuel me. They're, they're why I do what I do, you know, and it's, it's just beautiful. And I have will venture to say, you haven't even seen the tip of the iceberg of what is going to happen, what God is going to do with babies and dreams. I think it is going <laughs> to, I agree with that. Well, so just stay tuned, my friends. Go ahead, Maria. Thanks so much. What would you say to someone who, um, uh, you know, your life has so drastically changed? And what would you say to the girl out there who, you know, maybe she's in a place in life where she is struggling to make a decision of where to go next? And maybe she is caught up in this idea of why well, I have to choose either babies or I have to choose my dream. Um, you know, or maybe she's feeling very unfulfilled and, you know, you know what that was like from living in a space for a long time. What would you say to that person who they're looking for more? Um, and they're trying to choose between this and this, um, and maybe feeling stuck. What is something you would say to that person, kind of a younger version of you? Mm. Mm. Well, I think I might just start with pointing out pointing out that it's not it's not what we do that makes us who we are. Mm -hmm. I would tell her I know you have a lot of ideas. I know you have a lot of concerns. But your next thing that you do won't make you you. It won't complete you. It's an embracement of all that we are through the eyes of Christ Jesus and knowing, knowing his deep, undivided and unending love for us, like deep love, the love that will look you straight in the eye, even when you reject it, that type of love. That love that says, that's okay, come on back. No, nope, come on back and won't turn his gaze. It's that love. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it makes you nervous. Mm. And that's the love that Christ gives us. That's who we are. Until we can really live in that space comfortably, all the extra things we do. They won't have the same how we impact or fulfillment mm -hmm. until we get to that place truly where we are, where we can, we can look upon the gaze of Christ and accept his gaze. But if we can't accept the gaze of Christ, there's nothing else we can do that's going to, uh, 
fill that spot. Mm. That's hard work. What I'm saying right here is hard work. I don't think that it's easy. It's a life, it's a lifetime of work. But but if I had to look back at my old self and talk to little old Leah from 2002 or whatever, mm. oh yeah, I would look at her and say, ah, oh, I love you. Mm. You're trying so hard. You're trying so hard for everyone to love you, but you don't love yourself and you haven't let him love you. And those things must be in order. And that's why your life is out of order, Leah. Your life is out of order because your love is out of order. Mm. There you go. So good. Oh, you raised me. (laughs) Go ahead. I was going to say, I think that part, like your life is out of order because your love is out of order. That's powerful. I'm writing it down. Quote it. Write that down. (laughs) Yes. going to be an Instagram quote today. So. Yes, it is. <laughs> you, you recently have moved your, your family onto a farm and you grew up on a farm and just tell us about what attracted you to that lifestyle and just what you've been mulling over and the simplicity of that life. It's, it's really awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Um, well, you know, I guess to naturally take it from the last piece that we spoke about to hear order, mm-hmm. order was, was big. Ricky and I, over the past few years, have really been having hard conversations about how we live our life. Uh, What do we do each day? Like, what are we, what's the point? Mm -hmm. And really asking ourselves that question, not in a nealistic way, not in a, not in a, uh, with a sense of of there is no point to anything and there's Mm -hmm. no hope, but an idea that there's definitely a direction we want to be hope exists and is alive and has a name and a face. Well, so what's the point of all the things that we're doing? If it's not gearing towards and directing towards that one thing. And so we like, we've just been having these conversations over, over years and years. And we finally got to a point where we realized that the Lord was calling us to live in a much more simplistic undivided way that he was called that like he was calling us out of comfort. That's a big one. It was very comfortable where we were living in the city. We had all the people around us very, very close within a mile. We had everything that you could, everything you could eat and, and drink and fun things and all the conveniences, the grocery stores that would deliver to my door everything that I wanted because I was on my phone and I got to pick and choose what I wanted. It was great. I'm not saying that these are, these are, these are bad things or immoral things, but it was very comfortable. And we were being really good at being comfortable. And I just, you know, Ricky and I both talked and I'm like, you know what? Look, I really want to be a saint. Like I want to be St. Leah, not for the sake of St. Leah, but I just want to be able to be with the Lord forever. And I want my children to be with the Lord forever. So how are we living our life today for forever? And it just was that type of perspective. And then they got to the point, okay, like, well, what type of, like, where could we grow? Where could we live that we could raise saints together? And that began to be the question of like, Lord, where do you want us to raise saints? And through a lot of process, he brought us to Southern Missouri on an 80 acre farm with a peach orchard and a greenhouse. And we got chickens and we've got more chickens coming next week. And we got some pigs coming in a month. And we, we just went to go look at some cows yesterday and we're bringing in cattle. So we are doing it and it is completely uncomfortable. We have no idea what we're doing. Um, we are YouTubing everything. 
Ricky and I um, are working together each and every day on the farm. We are figuring out the tractor together. Um, uh, we're figuring out the right type of fencing to use together. Um, our kids are going exploring in the creek on their own and coming back and they're alive and they made it. And, uh, <laughs> How yeah. exciting. Yeah. Mm. Do you think that growing up on a farm had anything to do with your heart's desire to go back there? Yes. I grew up on a farm. I grew up on a farm in Norman, Oklahoma. Um, and my grandpa, and my dad worked the farm. So I was with them every day, watching them do the work. I did not do the work. I watched them do the work. Now I'm the one doing the work. Mm. A little different, huh? <laughs> Growing up on a farm is different than actually being the one who owns the farm. Mm-hmm. But I do think that that was the catalyst for being open to something so drastically different mm-hmm. of knowing that possible. And this happens all the time. And in fact, our culture, this had, this used to be the way that all the people lived a long time ago. Um, a majority, I mean, vast majority of people were living like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and we wanted to be around in a place where other people also live like this. There are other, we, we, our neighbors are all of our neighbors that we have, which you can call them neighbors, but the spaces in between are all farmers. And so all of us are working together and, um, help each other out. And, we wanted to create a sense for our kids of community and growing up on a farm, I think really helped us see that, um, that this is such a great opportunity for our children to be very interdependent. And that was really, um, our society pushes, uh, being independent, you know, like do it on your own. You're fine. Yeah. Yeah. And so we, we really wanted our children to become interdependent upon one another that's powerful um, for the sake of the whole. Mm-hmm. And so to create interdependence, we wanted to put them in a place where they would have to depend on each other. They, there's a buddy system. Someone's got the walkie talkie when they go down to the Creek and they have to be together and they work together as, as a team and as a whole, as a fa- family, because some things on a farm are truly life and death. Mm. Um, I mean, you see a lot of life and death with the natural, yeah. you know, it's, mm-hmm. my dad grew up on a farm and, and my best friend grew up on a farm. And I say, everybody needs to have a farmer in their life because they know how to do everything because you, have, you become resourceful, right? You, mm-hmm. you don't just call every time something needs fixed. And it's, mm-hmm. I remember growing up playing out of the farm every weekend and it is literally my best memories. It's, we, it's actually where I, where Will proposed mm-hmm. to me was on my grandparents' farm. They didn't even still live there. He just like called and got permission because that is where my best memories are. We just say, go into the farm, you know, and, and there's, there's something, to your children. there's something really powerful. Also, when you are, I think when you, especially with siblings too, when you help to create that interdependence, cause it, it makes for really good relationships too, you know, like that was something that I look back at my childhood and how much we all as siblings, like we depended on each other so much. We were outside 24 seven. And it was kind of this, like, we knew we, we all had each other's back. And when that's fostered, it's just, it's amazing because I think so many people, especially right now, there's so much um, isolation, you know, there's so much isolation, in a lot of ways. And everyone feels like they have to do it themselves that, you know, well, I'm this independent woman or miss independent, whatever. And it's become this glorified thing when you're actually missing out on really the most beautiful things in life is that interdependence and that communion, that intimacy that, you know, with one another, ultimately that points towards the intimacy with the Lord, but to just be able to even learning how to foster that when they're young, like that's so powerful. 
Mm-hmm. priceless yeah. gifts so mm-hmm. we all one last question we always yes. like to ask Maria yes so what would you say to our listeners in way of how they can water their grass this week what would you encourage them I would encourage you okay all right all right so <laughs> so, so tonight when you go to bed I would encourage you to examine your day Think about your day. Mm. At the very beginning when you woke up, just as you're lying in bed and think about each moment. And I want you to create two categories. One category is where possibly you have failed, where you have maybe not met the mark or how you should have maybe act or um, thought or done something. Now the other one's where you did. You kind of just quickly move things over to each category, wherever they belong. And the category where you, where you did it right, where you're like, I did it, I, I, I held my tongue. I didn't want to, but I did it, that's good. I want you to, I want you to just thank, thank the Lord for the grace. Thank the Lord that, you, that you, you did that and just offer that to him. Say, thank you, God. Look how you worked through, through me here. And then everything on the other side, just give that also to the Lord and say, Lord, help me be better tomorrow. Just compare yourself to who you were yesterday. That's it. And so just doing a quick examine at night helps you focus the next day, even while you sleep, on how you can be just a tiny bit better, tiny bit better just the next day. That's what I can leave you with. Such great advice and always wisdom from Leah. Ladies and gentlemen, you can tell she's a deep thinker. She's not just pretty smart and funny. She's got a lot of depth and you're not going to be talking about about the weather with Leo Darrow. <laughs> love it. Nobody wants to talk about the weather. So yeah. she is always growing, always putting out great things and helping to build the mm-hmm. kingdom. And we're just so grateful to have you here. We will have in the show notes how you can follow her on Instagram, mm-hmm. on Facebook, and stay tuned for whatever next great that you're going to be putting out there because we know it's yes. going to be something that is just wonderful. So yeah. thank you so much. Thank for you being for your here. time and taste. Yes. Right. So we will see you all next week on Girl, What Are Your Graphics? Okay.